we're talking about old hammer. Nope, not talking about antique tools. One thing's for sure, nostalgia just ain't what it used to be. This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I'm your host, Jay Arnold. Welcome to episode three. We're going to be talking about Old Hammer with Andrew Dyer. Uh, first, I want to talk to you about King's Hobbies and Games. King's Hobbies and Games is, of course, the sponsor for the Veteran Wargamer. And a couple of different product lines that I touched on with my discussion uh, last episode with Tim Spakowski that I wanted to go in just a touch more detail on. Uh, Tim does carry MIG uh, painting and modeling products, great range of products. He does carry the Gamer's Grass, uh, get, uh, grass and tufts of flowers and whatnot for your basing and for uh, scenery on your on your dioramas. Both great products. He's also doing the 3D uh, printing, and that's really exciting. One of his uh, products that he, that he brought out recently is a uh, is an MRAP that's um, mine resistant ambush protected vehicle one particular type called a Max Pro and uh, you really need to take a look at that one thing that we might not have mentioned last time is that any of the 3D product 3D printed products that Tim offers even though it might be offered in a particular scale on his website that can be scaled to just about anything you want. So if your definition of 28 millimeter isn't 150th, it's 148th. Shoot Tim an email, see if he can do it in 148th. He probably can. See what it's going to cost you for time and materials, and uh, maybe that's something you want to look into. So on that note, uh, we're going to go ahead and get into the episode. My discussion with Andrew Dyer. We went a little over an hour again, but that's okay. So with that in mind. After this quick break, we'll have Andrew Dyer on the show. And we are back. Uh, today we've got Andrew Dyer on uh, the show, and uh, we're going to be talking about Old Hammer. Uh, Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I understand you got a little bit of a sinus infection going. Oh yeah, yeah, fun stuff, fun stuff. But you know, other than that, yeah. Um, if uh, listeners have a problem with uh, your sneezing or coughing or whatnot, they'll just have to live with it and prove to them that yes, we are indeed human. We're we're not space marines or anything. Although Nurgle's rot may transport <laughs> through the through through the uh, interwebs, and so you know, you, my if you come down with anything, I apologize. But you know, it's the it's the curse of our hobby. Yeah, well, I luckily I've got some pretty good antivirus protection on my computer, so we'll be okay. Good. <laughs> okay. So, um, Andrew, if you don't mind telling us, uh, what makes you a veteran wargamer? Well, I mean, you know, I've been playing since the tail end of 3rd edition, uh, fantasy, uh, anyway, uh, Warhammer Fantasy. Um, but, you know, even before that, I uh, I had the old, you know, the old uh, He-Man um, uh, TSR game that was okay. kind of D and D light, uh, you know, huge into Hero Quest as a kid. Uh, you know, used to play that with my parents and my friends. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, I've been doing this since the mid to late '80s. I mean, I guess He Man. Oh god, that was '86. I want to say that mm -hmm. I, I got that for for my birthday, maybe '87. So, you know, quite quite a long time. Yeah. And uh, so, in between now and then, or then and now, what what is your what have your gaming interests lied with? Um, you know, I, I have always predominantly been a, a fantasy player. I mean, I have 40k stuff, uh, but you know, my, my mother was a fantasy nerd. My father built uh, model cars as a kid, so you know, I think it was it was kind of predestined that that I would build models of fantasy stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, that has predominantly always been my interest. Um, and as soon as you know, I, I mean, I had dabbled in D and D, you know, those kind of things. But mm -hmm. but once I dis discovered Warhammer Fantasy, like I said, right there at the tail end of third edition, with those lovely photos that they used to put in their their pamphlets and their magazines, that you know, the where they would spread the table with flocks so you couldn't even see the slot of bases. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, those, those kind of things. So that, that, that was really kind of what um, drew it, drew me to it. And, and I have stuck with it like glue, um, you know, where it was other, you know, kind of hobbies, like I said, I, you know, I've gotten into, you know, 40 K I'm pretty I like Epic, you know, some of those other games, but it's always predominantly been, been Warhammer fantasy for me. Okay. All right. Um, now one of the influences on, on my fantasy interest was the, uh, Ralph Bakshi movie, uh, wizards. Yes. And, and it, I, I think that wizards definitely informs, uh, a lot of the old hammer movement and a lot of the imagery. Um, most definitely. And, and one of mine was the, the Rankin Bass Hobbit cartoon. Oh, sure. Which is a very similar in, in kind of the, the, the imagery as well. It's not, yeah, it's different, but, but it's got a lot of those same kind of tones that they used in right. the, the early, you know, the, the, the early fantasy of the, the, uh, when they were first starting to produce it for television in the eighties and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would, in fact, but when we were, when I was prepping for this, I was could not remember his name. Uh, the, the 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 did the Wizards movie because he did a couple of them that were yeah. all you know that very similar and and just you know very visually appealing. That oh yeah, yeah. You you take a look at some of Ian Miller's artwork um, mm-hmm. in the old War in the you know the Warhammer Third Edition or the Realms of Chaos books or even in the uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand Rogue Trader and you can definitely see a a link to uh, Wizards and also the the Hobbit cartoon. And and who can really forget, if you've ever watched The Hobbit, um, the orcs. And yeah. You know, where there's a whip, there's That was my tone for a while. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. If, if someone out there, is, if someone listening happens to be a sculptor and would want to sculpt orcs that looked like the orcs in... The Rankin Bass Hobbit, then you'll have my money, guaranteed, because yeah. they were they were great. Um, so I guess we need to talk a little bit more about what Old Hammer is uh, for those who might be uninitiated. So the to- the term Old Hammer was was uh, kind of coined by an artist and blogger who and I didn't even realize this was a Chinese word until I asked him how to pronounce it. Um, but he himself is not Chinese, so he wasn't even sure how to pronounce it. So I'd go to one of my coworkers, and I'm going to butcher this handle. Um, but I'm going to do my best. It's a Jubajay, or Jubaji, spelled Z H U space B A. Ah, I, I don't have the, the the spelling of the last part. I, I believe it's B A J I E, but okay. I, I might be wrong on that. So he he coined the term back in uh, 2011 with a blog post that was uh, referred to the Old Hammer contract, which is a play on the one of the the original Warhammer Fantasy role play scenario Old and Holler contract. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring that up because early in the days of the face the first Facebook well the first Facebook group there were some people that thought it was like a legitimate contract. Mm-hmm. It's not a legitimate contract. It's a pun. Yeah. Um, but the, but it really kind of spelled out the, you know, the original ideas that he had on retro gaming with, with Warhammer and his, his idea with it. And again, when he created the term, it was to use the early editions of Warhammer, specifically first, second, third edition fantasy and rogue trader for 40 K as a toolkit to create your own stories and your own battles and you pick and choose and you modify what you want and you know oftentimes with the GM to te- it's more about telling the story than necessarily about who wins or loses or even what world you play in mm-hmm. uh, there there was um, s- several people used used uh, Warhammer third edition to do a big battle for um, the fighting fantasy books, which were for the English, much like our choose your own adventure books here in the U S. Okay. And so, you know, it's not even limited to, to just the Warhammer world. Now, a lot of us really like the Warhammer worlds. Mm -hmm. um, So we, we stick to it, but, but it's not, you know, it wasn't originally necessarily intended that it was more about using those, those rule sets as a toolkit to game with. Right. Right. And so that, go ahead. Sorry. No, in, in, um, didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I, I think that has probably evolved a little bit since 2011. Because most I, definitely, um, most definitely, and, and kind of what happened, and, and and even then, like he didn't create the idea 
of, of retro gaming. I mean, obviously, you know, people were, have been doing. I mean, I remember when uh, when third edition D and D came out, listening to people saying they weren't giving up Advanced Dungeons and Dragons second edition. You know, right? Uh, or, or same with third edition 40k. We're not giving up second edition 40k. Um, you know, and but what happened was is there was a series of other gamers and other bloggers who were all kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have a name for it. Right. And once that term was coined, then they kind of started to almost coalesce together organically, originally on a forum uh, called the Blood Forums that somebody had decided to start a, a retro clone of third edition fantasy called Blood. Um, it was an acronym for something, and I, I don't remember, and I think... I think the project's probably defunct at this point, but mm-hmm. uh, the, which then kind of morphed into the Old Hammer Forum, which is oldhammer.org.uk. Uh, you have to be careful with that because Alternative Armies has oldhammer.com and oldhammer.co.uk and a couple other ones. So it's yeah. oldhammer.org.uk is the forum. And then from there, spread into Facebook. And it's kind of as more and more people come in, more and more people have their ideas of what Old Hammer is and isn't. Unfortunately, we have had a holy war or two, for lack of a better term, over what exactly it is. Yeah. Um, which kind of, in my opinion, misses the point. But yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it uh, is what it there. is. We, we, we've lost some members. We've gained some members. Uh, you know, there are people now that use the term Old Hammer to refer to uh, whatever the most recent pre-Age of Sigmar version of Warhammer is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's really begun to encompass a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Right. Um, by and large, most people mean uh, first, second, third edition fantasy rogue trader sometimes second edition 40k um some people you know kind of bring in fourth maybe fifth edition but there's also like a mid hammer group and and some other you know kind of designations for maybe the slightly later periods right uh as, as well um but a lot of people you do use the term for any kind of very story driven mm-hmm. warhammer be it right. fantasy or 40k and and i think that's probably the safest way to use it mm-hmm. uh, because really in the end as much as is in third edition is a ridiculously complex game system yeah uh, and so so is rogue trader um you can add a lot of those features to later editions or even other games right you, you've seen i don't know if you go to the Frostgrave uh facebook page it is littered with old hammers, hammers. I would say old hammers make up the bulk of the Frostgrave players on the on the Frostgrave page. Yeah, it's uh, uh, you know the number of people using old Citadel models to play Frostgrave would actually kind of feel bad because it was started the the Frostgrave page was started by uh, the guy from North Star who has the rights to do the models and yeah. every and everybody's using other models and yeah. putting them on the page. Um, so you know, but but if you've ever played Frostgrave, it's a very story-driven game. It's yeah. it's very similar to Mordheim, and and you know we've also the Old Hammer community, even though they're definitely later than Third Edition, has really taken in special the old specialist games. Right. You know your, your Mordheims, your uh, you know your your uh, Necromundas, those kind of games, uh, and, and really embrace those with a passion as well, because again, those are very story-driven games, and so that's really I think. Uh, where, where a lot of people use it. And then uh, another group of people, I think, kind of with a fair amount of overlap, also use it to refer more to um, collecting old models right. and, and using those in your games. Right, so uh, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting kind of mix of, of the two, but but I think most people, again, refer to it as the, the story-driven gaming. Yeah, there you mentioned the models, and there's definitely an aesthetic difference in mm-hmm. the older models than the newer ones, and you're going to get that. You know, casting technology changes, uh, the relative skill of the sculptors changes over time. But I, I think there's a there's a certain charm to mm-hmm. the older figures that aren't necessarily present in what might be referred to as Middle Hammer. In my understanding, Middle Hammer is going to be uh, mid to late 90s, maybe about the time that 2nd edition 40K came out, 4th uh, edition... Warhammer, the first box sets for each. Right. Um, I would probably reckon that as the beginning of Middle Hammer, and then and that, moving forward from there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, there, there also seems to be a definite break in the aesthetic once mm-hmm. the new, well, 
not new now, but newer box sets came out. Yeah, um, well, there, there's a real good blog, another blog post, and I am going to apologize. I did not pull it. Um, I not even thought about it until you brought up the term aesthetic. Um, but it's it's I don't even believe it's a it's a Warhammer related post. I believe it's like a D and D retro gaming post that refers to the pathetic aesthetic, and that is something <laughs> that you see really you really see in a lot of the old Warhammer stuff. And it's kind of this idea that you know the 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 characters and the 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 people aren't these gods of war that you had it that you have in like classic D and D. Right. You know, and and even in you know that you began to see with the named characters in in fourth edition fantasy and second edition forty uh, k. You know, you know Mephiston is a is a you know a god of war. You know, right. uh, Carl Franz mounted atop his griffin with a, the giant hammer of Sigmar. You know, he is a force to be reckoned with. Those kind of characters weren't really there in in the earlier editions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, there, there's a lot of I'm only scratching the surface surface of the pathetic aesthetic, um, but you know, there, there's if if you look at like the the castings of especially like the humans, uh, you know, they look kind of scared. Yeah. You know, they look they you know they're carrying kind of dinky weapons. Mm-hmm. You know, they're wearing clothes that are borderline rags. Right. Um, and, and that's to me like I, I'm a huge fan of Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, and that to me is the big charm in in first and second edition. Warhammer Fantasy roleplay is that you know I mean combat is a terrible idea in Warhammer Fantasy roleplay if you if you've ever played it um, I mean I remember I, I ran a game for a while when I was when I was in graduate school and with some guys that had never played and you know, they, they were all X D and D players they're used to you know you you wade into combat first and ask questions later mm-hmm. and because I knew they were like that I did a dream sequence to start the game with where they were in a fight with an equal number of bandits. And the very first thing that happened was the the players lost the initiative and a bandit walked up and lopped the head off the player character before we got to do anything. <laughs> and, and that's really kind of, you know, I mean, that, that, that I think in my mind is almost, you know, perfect, but it, but it exemplifies that pathetic aesthetic too, because, you know, you're not this great combat monster. You are a malnourished, you know, a uh, human from a, a podunk one-horse town who you know, you've left your village to go adventuring because either way you're probably dying before you're thirty. You might as well get to go drinking and whoring and looting potentially first. <laughs> you know, because that beats you know dropping dead of the plague in your in a field one day. Yeah, and but. You know the, the 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 kind of other aspect to that because you know, sixth edition had a lot of that grittiness when when they brought that in. There was a humor as well that, mm-hmm. that kind of comes when you know if if you ever known people that have you know seen seen people that live in you know kind of situations that are that bad or, or you know hopefully not that bad but you know that that don't have have lots. Oftentimes they have kind of a humor about it because it's right. how you cope. You know, right. and and that humor and the grittiness was present in in the early editions of Warhammer, and and you know fourth and fifth edition kind of amped up the humor for the kids and toned down the grittiness, and then sixth edition amped up the grittiness and turned out toned down the humor, and so we haven't had an edition since third that kind of had that mix of both. Right. That, that I think also ties into that pathetic aesthetic as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's terrible, but it's kind of you know, uh, you you have to have a sense of humor about it because otherwise, you know, you'd put a bullet in your head and and end it that way. You right. know, so so it, it's it, that's something that I think is, um, you know, a lot of people find really appealing about about the uh, the old editions. You know, there's a lot of puns in the names of things that yeah. um, that that you know. Again, if you go look at like Nigel Stillman's uh, Lizard Man book that came out with fifth edition, you know, like that's those some of the puns in there are like way over the top, like teensy weensy, you know. Yeah. But but th- there were a lot of puns that you know that were present in, in some of the earlier editions that are that are there that you sometimes have to read once or twice before you get you mm-hmm. know. So it, it's like I said, the humor was there, but the grittiness was there too, and so it was kind of a, in my opinion, a perfect mix of the two. Right. And and one thing uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to a to a blog post I made 
oh gosh, at this point about four years ago about um, how I don't like Grimdark. And um, if you take a look in the in the Rogue Trader book, you know it talks about um, there's a oh I guess it's like a four it must have been like a four or five page spread on Hell's Reach, which mm-hmm. was a, a mining colony on this you know blighted planet that was you know only visited by Imperial forces on a semi regular basis because of storms in the in the uh, in the warp and. There were orcs and other races on the planet in addition to humans, and it was it was kind of grim. It was unsettling. You know, you could argue it's post-apocalyptic somehow, but it's not, you know, it's not infested with that nihilistic dread that inhabits the rest of the 40K universe mm-hmm. after second edition. Yep. And because you don't have chaos, hadn't even been discussed really in 40k. Um, the Tyranids were just little dog, <laughs> little dog-sized lizard aliens, basically, is what they looked mm-hmm. like in the book. And a gene stealer was just a single drawing in in the book. And maybe there was a connection between the two, but that's not really established yet. And there aren't the Necrons or any other of these, you know, apocalyptic on a galactic scale forces at play it's just okay there's some people who are wanting to mine some stuff and they got to keep an eye out for orc slavers who will probably burn their vehicles if they can if they can and either kill or enslave them mm-hmm. you know have fun with that and you know yeah it's not a great way to live but you know what you can go to the bar with your earnings and maybe get some money and some companionship or spend some money on some companionship and maybe a few drinks and you know, maybe life's not so bad, and yep. and uh, as you move forward in the in, for lack of a better term, in the history of the game, that seems to get stripped away. As mm-hmm. you know, eventually, you know, on this on the cover of the second edition box, you know, in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's no fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember. So I again, as I said, I, I was primarily a forty uh, fantasy player, and so my first real introduction to forty k was second edition. Mm-hmm. But I, I picked up a copy of Rogue Trader. I want to say back in two thousand one or so, um, and I remember the the first thing that struck me as I flipped through Rogue Trader was how much desert. And it was in we're in the drawings, mm-hmm. and you know from, from second edition, it's all these you know gothic urban yeah. buildings and everything's dark and 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 whatnot. But but second edition, it was really before John Blanche had taken over. Sorry, yeah. sorry, a rogue trader was before John Blanche had really taken over, and it's almost more Mad Max, yeah, than 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 it is you know. Uh, um, what it became now, you know, much later on with with you know the some of the um, the other influences that that would would come yeah. down on it. Um, well, there's there's definitely there's definitely that gothic influence in some of Ian Miller's illustrations in the Rogue Trader book, certainly. Um, but yeah, the the entire uh, the entire uh, spread on Hell's Reach uh, by Carl mm-hmm. Critchlow, very much Mad Max, exactly what you're talking about, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there are a number of different influences that you can see throughout and as they move forward they started injecting a little bit of more that gothic look to it i mean you can you can tell in the buildings for uh the first edition of space marine the the cardboard buildings that you folded up with the plastic tops um they started having that you know the flying arches uh you know high high arched uh doorways and whatnot it started started there but it wasn't you know, overpowering. I guess you say it was. Yeah, because e- even then, the shape of the overall buildings was very Judge Dread. Yeah. Um, which isn't quite as gothic. It was very, you know, almost like. Um, and, and I, I've never actually been to England, so I don't know what they look like there. But you, know, if you've ever been to a big city in, in America, you know, uh, and, you, and you pass the, you know, kind of the projects. They're, you know, they're tall, they're flat, they're square. You know, they might be in different shapes, but everything's very angular and boring. Right. And and that's what you know. Those buildings had a lot of those kind of influences in them. Where, you know, while well, yeah, they had the arches painted on them, they were still pretty square, pretty mm-hmm. pretty angular, and and not you know they they lacked a lot of the ornament 
that, right. that, that goes along with the gothic design. So yeah, definitely, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, since we're talking about aesthetics and whatnot, just from an aesthetic standpoint, what are in particular either particular figures or maybe just ranges of figures from the old days that you that you liked? So I have when I started Warhammer until this day, I love the dwarves okay. and particularly. The Marauder Dwarves, the Puffin Slash Dwarves. Mm, yeah. Probably my favorite figure of all time is the Dwarf Pfeiffer from the the Marauder Pikeman Regiment. Uh, but even after, even other than that, I am a sucker for pretty much anything Ali Morrison ever sculpted. Sure. Um, he is by far my favorite sculptor. You know, the Perrys were great. Jess Goodwin has done some great stuff. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I always felt like Ali Morrison's stuff just had the, the this unique um exaggeration especially like in the faces of the humans but even in the dwarves that mm-hmm. just you know made everything it felt similar but was just different enough that it felt like you know it, it helped the imagination kind of go somewhere else yeah um and you know when I, mean, I could sit and talk about ali morrison's you know his, his uh c-series elves and and his, you know, humans that he did with the Marauder Citizen range, and even some of the, you know, he did some of the stuff with the Citadel range prior to the split with Marauder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's just, it's just by far and away always been my favorite stuff. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, the, the, the Jess Goodwin Chaos stuff is amazing, but yeah. it just, it's, Allie Morrison stuff is my favorite, and we've, not just we in the North American Old Hammer group, but several of the Old Hammer groups have commissioned some of the the former GW sculptors to to do some stuff for us. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, a- Ali Morrison is has always been out of reach for that. Otherwise, I'd be hiring him. I'd be commissioning him in a heartbeat to do something. Right. I don't even know what. I just throw money at him and, <laughs> and, and tell him to sculpt me something. Right. So, but I, my understanding is he's still employed by GW or, or something like that. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, for for myself, um, I'd say that my favorite, where it's definitely unequivocally Old Hammer, my favorite are the Mark Copplestone Imperial Guard. Um, when they came out with the Imperial Guard list, this is Imperial Guard, not Imperial Army, both the plastics and the metal figures with the plastic arms. Um, I love those figures. I think I can't put my finger on why I like the idea of the officers and... Uh, unit specialist wearing metal metal breastplates, you know, cuirass style <laughs> breastplates and crested helmets, but there's just something about that that I really, really like and um, you know, the the plastic Imperial Guard figures you know, they're they're not much to look at, but back in the day, Dagnabbit, you got 36 figures in a box yeah. for 20 bucks and yep. um, you know, we could go on and on and on about pricing and, and whatnot these days but, yeah. um well, I mean, for crying out loud, you try to get a an intact Imperial Guard plastic box these days, and you're you're into three figures quickly. Oh yeah, um, yeah. One of my dreams is is the uh, the original Land Raider. I just want to build one, mm-hmm. and yeah, they uh, they're not cheap. No, the uh, yeah. And and so. Forge World makes one that's kind of like the old one. But yeah, but then, it's still just not quite the same. It's not quite know? the same, and you're still going to be paying a lot of money for it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So um, yeah, those those figures I loved. Um, I loved the when the Realm of Chaos books came out. The um, Chaos Champions, mm-hmm. um, so many of them with that great bone armor mm-hmm. detail. Um, the demons that originally came out with the Realm of Chaos, not just mm-hmm. the greater demons, but the lesser demons. Uh, the plague bearers. There's a lot of humor in the in the neural yep. line. With yep. the plague bears and the nerglings, and there's there's a certain there's definitely a menace to the original bloodthirsters and bloodletters especially, mm-hmm. and I think that they kind of later on the the follow on editions of the bloodthirsters and or the bloodletters I should say in in uh, particular they lost that menace, mm-hmm. and it, it's hard to describe because they're just so dang alien. You know, yeah, they've got two arms, they've got two legs, they've got a head, but they are just so weird looking, and they're yep. they're not like anything else in either 40k or or fantasy. 
I, I've always really liked the uh, the Forge World. I believe it's a Spawn model mm-hmm. that that is it's got that same kind of just alienness, and it's one of the things. While I like a lot of the the Chaos Demons, I just don't feel like the 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 models of late have have had that kind of the 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 alien and i think there's no better way to put it than alienness so i'm going to steal your your phrase yeah um but there's no better way to put it than alienness that, that a lot of those models had like you know i don't expect my demons to be uniform you right. know <laughs> even if they all even if they all represent the same aspect of of evil like like i expect them to just to all be malformed and different from each other right um that, that yeah, the, the original blood letters really I think embodied very well. The 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 plague bearers were were great because they did. You're right, they had the humor. Um, they were a little uniform. The the unfortunately I thought the the horrors were never never great. But the 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 flamers, you know, have the, the kind of this weird fungus thing. Yeah, you know, they they look alien. They don't look like something, you know, that that you would even think up. I mean, you know, I I want demons. To be quite honest, and I don't endorse this, you know, nobody should ever do drugs, but I want the sculptors to look like they were tripping um, large amounts of acid when they came up with those ideas. Right. Yeah. Uh, because that's that's what I expect demons to look like. Something that my mind cannot even comprehend. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's coming from a, like a Cthulhu. Uh, I, I was. I, I've read a ton of H.P. Lovecraft and yeah. you know that kind of stuff too. And, and you know, he, it's always unspeakable horrors that your mind cannot right. wrap it around and yeah that's what i want to see in my demons i don't want to see you know uh uh, stereotypical judeo-christian horned horned demons with little wings and pitchforks you know like i can imagine that that's boring you know um give give me something that actually kind of hurts to look at right oh that's that's a good way of putting it and and, and that's what those blood letters especially the way they bent it's just oh, like, yeah. that's not supposed to, you know, <laughs> bodies aren't supposed to bend like that. Right, know? exactly. And then um, you can, if you take a look at some of the old masters, um, the, some of the old Renaissance and post-Renaissance masters, mm-hmm. especially Hieronymus Bosch, mm-hmm. you can see the definite influence of Bosch on the designers of the demons, of the original Realms of Chaos demons. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's, that's important to note. Um, you know, you have to recognize that Warhammer, the old world of Warhammer is definitely it's it's a medieval Europe of a sorts mm-hmm. and the influences are definitely there and um, well for crying out loud, one of the main characters in, in fantasy battle is Albrecht Altdorfer and if you don't think that that's not taken from Albrecht yeah. Dürer you're, you fell asleep yeah. in your art history class yeah and um, so yeah, there's, there's those definite influences there and I can't think of any better demons that are being produced anywhere than well, the exception of that might be the clan war demons. Um, if you ever played or saw any of the clan war stuff in the late nineties, early two thousands from a- AEG, yeah. But that's a completely different aesthetic because you're now you're talking Eastern, mm-hmm. you know, Japanese and Chinese demons. I don't know if you've seen them. There's an Australian company called Eureka. Oh yeah. That has put out a line of, of mutants and demons based on Hieronymus Bosch. Oh, nice. I'll have to double check that. Yeah. yeah. Eureka is a, a great company. They're out of Australia. Um, the American distributor for, for them escapes me at the moment. I want to say it might be Scale Creep. Um, I'll have to double check that. But I Yeah, think, I didn't know they had an American distributor. Yeah, I so. think it's Scale uh. Creep. Um, Mark Severin, if you happen to be listening, let us know. Um, but yeah, or heck, we could just go online and find out for ourselves. But yeah, Eureka's a great company. And that and that kind of opens it up also a little bit because people who are doing Old Hammer now are branching out into other companies. I noticed a, a post on one of the Old Hammer Facebook groups recently, a guy talking about getting more forces for his Empire Army, and he had a bunch of Foundry, War Games Foundry, uh, blisters in the in the shot. Mm-hmm. Well, and and one of the kind of for for people that aren't aware of the history of the company, um, the Games Workshop that put out Third Edition Fantasy and uh, 40k Rogue Trader First Edition was owned by a man named Brian Ansel, and he was bought out, did a management backed uh, leverage buyout of the company right before fourth edition came out um 
that, that was headed by the the CEO that just stepped down. I want to say a year ago. I can't remember his name. But part of the sales agreement was that Brian Ansel was allowed to take lots of the old masters and start his own. Well, I, I think he had already started a separate historical company. I'm not not entirely sure on all the timelines there. Mm-hmm. But he was allowed to take the historical stuff that, that GW had previously produced and and do that with his... his uh, company and and now foundry which is the company that he started with that uh, wargamesfoundry.com if i believe if you want to go to their website they have on their page exitadel models yeah um unfortunately and i understand why but they, they've converted them all to uh integral bases instead of slot of bases but but you can get lots of the old samurai lots of the old kind of lanch connect and the feudals and things like that that you know used to be empire models um or used to be bretonian models um so you know it, it's it's actually kind of great in that it, just in that alone right um the, you can get a lot of the the old stuff much much cheaper than um yeah you used to be able to 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 get on ebay so oh, yeah and in a lot of the a lot of these companies are also doing fantasy ranges speaking of foundry They've got a line of orcs that are great. They look, you know, they're dressed in Renaissance clothing, mm-hmm. you know, the the puff and slash lance neck cl- clothing, or like pirates. And <coughs> and when when you're using figures like that, obviously you're getting away from GW figures, but that's okay because the mindset behind, from what I've observed, the mindset behind Old Hammer is run what you brung and a friend of mine who's going to be a guest on the show later pat gilliland is uh he he stated that one of the best things about warhammer in the old days was just taking whatever you had in your collection and putting it on the table mm-hmm. and yeah well at, at uh the the old hammer day we had a couple of weekends ago uh you know one gentleman had a uh, had a host of uh, grenadier undead you know, uh, there's two mammoths and a rhino, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, for, for those of us in the early days, you know, the Grenadier stuff, to be quite honest, was just as good as the GW stuff. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people used it. Um, because, again, although, you know, uh, I, I'm sure it was less so in the UK, but, you know, here, it, it, it you know, you used what you had and, you know, people were, were le- much less particular about, you know, whose models you were using because right. GW, you know, might have had four stores in the United States and everything else was independent retailers who sold Warhammer, but they also sold Grenadier and Ralph Partha. Right. A lot of people used that. Um, and, you know, in fact, Ralph Partha has been taking advantage of Old Hammer, um, you know, which is great. Or I guess Iron Wind Metals is what they're called right. now. Where they've they've been re-releasing a lot of the Chaos Wars stuff, which um, you know was their kind of their competing army game, and you know there's a lot of great sculpts. Tom Meyer, you know, without Tom Meyer, I don't think Citadel Miniatures would still be in business. And you know, Tom Meyer was one of the founders of of Rao Partha, mm-hmm. um, and then he got bored and went and hung out, and and uh, my understanding is drank a lot and did a lot of drugs with the Citadel team and sculpted some elves and some troglodytes and whatnot for him on a sabbatical from Ralph Parthen and taught them about green stuff. And yeah. without that, you know, I don't know, you know, that, that, that Warhammer would be what it is. You know, Citadel would be what it was because you know, part of what allowed Warhammer to, I think, replace the other, the other battle games out there is the quality of Citadel models at the time was better than most everything else out there. I mean, I really like the Grenadier stuff. Um, I was never a huge fan of the Ralph Partha stuff because Tom Meyer, who was their main sculptor, but they had a lot of other great sculptors like Dennis Mize and, yeah. and several others. Um, they they did very true scale, very accurate yeah. sculpts, whereas um, Citadel and, and Grenadier, uh, not quite as, as much as Citadel, but more so than, than Ralph Partha, were a little more fantastical and a little yeah. more exaggerated. And um, <clears throat> but a lot of people love the, the Ralph Partha stuff too. Yeah. And so you know here you would go into any any game store, any you know usually comics and game store, and these kind of game stores that don't exist anymore that right. I lament <laughs> the loss of, where you walk in and they're kind of dimly lit and you know everybody's kind of quiet, keeping to themselves, and you know but they've got you know stock that's been on the shelves for 
you know, 15 years because it just hasn't sold in certain, you know, certain pieces of stock, not the whole stock, but right. you know, um, yeah, they're just like, you know, those kind of game stores don't exist anymore. But, you know, they used to have, you know, a section of Grenadier, a section of Citadel, a section of Raupartha, and people bought what they wanted to buy. You know, they if they wanted gnomes, they would buy gnomes. And if they wanted, you know, warriors, they bought the warriors they liked. They didn't necessarily buy the Citadel warriors. Yeah. They bought whichever ones they liked, you know, the the undead or the the orcs. And, and so, yeah, you would see lots of armies that, you know, playing Warhammer that might not actually consist of a single citadel model but right. at least here in the states you know yeah. i mean again you know in the uk it might have been different but um you know the cost of shipping all that that lead across oceans was probably not uh conducive to selling large amounts of of their product in in the uk but um you know here anyway you know that that was i think very common especially in fantasy uh less so in 40k because i think some of the 40k races especially the space marines are just so iconic yeah that you know you can't really do a space marine without getting the cease and desist order from games workshop so right. and, um and i think another thing that has kind of engendered the citadel gw figures or nothing uh concept within you know within the game is tournament play yeah because from early on when they started doing their tournaments they made it pretty clear that you will use Games Workshop figures or any conversions will be based off of Games Workshop figures. And so that's going to put a, a kibosh on getting, you know, a unit of Foundry lands next to to be your to be your Imperial mm-hmm. Halberdiers real quick. Yeah, but you know, the, and and there were some tournaments in 3rd edition, but by and large the kind of the tournament the competitive play really started with fourth edition and that was the you know it is and i'm gonna not talk too much about it because it'll bore you to tears um but a leveraged buyout which is what the the management did when they bought out brian ansel mm-hmm. um you borrow against the company which means you have to make a lot of money fast. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're going to lose your shirt. And so, you know, they had to do things like that. They had to. They had to turn it into an arms race, or they were all going to go bankrupt, and you know, be destitute in the streets. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's it's. I mean, it, it's a you know total. It's a business. It was a business decision. And I have no problem with it as a business decision. You know, you're. You, you got to do what's best for the business and um you know but but they did really kind of ramp up on the the citadel or nothing attitude as a result of that but you know like i said as you were saying to, to begin this whole discussion you know that's one of the great things about old hammers that it's it's manufacturer agnostic yeah. and, and as i said in the very beginning you know it's not even technically world Required. I mean, you can play. You know, as I'm saying, that there's some people that have played, um, and I forget the name of the battle. I want to say uh, uh, Orcs Tooth or or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that uh, uh, is set in the the fighting fantasy world, mm-hmm. which is, you know, as I said, is is kind of like the choose your own adventure books we had here. Completely different world. Right. Um, it is linked a little because it was it was those were written by the original founders of Games Workshop. Uh, back when they were just an import company, but it was mm-hmm. still a completely different fantasy world. Um, so you know, it, it's it's not it's not limited to to even the world, but especially not the miniatures. Uh, you know, if, if you know, the, like I said, the the Raupartha stuff, the Grenadier stuff, you know, Dixon humans, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever you know, whatever strange company, you know, that if they made models you like, you know, you can. You can use them in Old Hammer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, heck, there are people that play Old Hammer with new models. You know, yeah. I mean, where it doesn't matter. You know, it's it's because because to be quite honest, the models you put on the table aren't what's important now. Right. As is as is ever, it might be rude if you plop down, you know, uh, uh, some McDonald's toys and then don't tell your opponent what they are or anything like that. But <laughs> you know that, that that violates the spirit of fair play, no matter what edition it is. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's um, you know, again, it's more about having fun, and you know, and, and that's an- another thing that we we haven't really touched on yet. But one of the big differences with Old Hammer, uh, and and a lot of the other you know more recent editions is is a game master, right? And that's you know part of what the game master does is you know designs scenarios that tell the story, and, and again, because 
story is what's important. And in many times, the game master might even you know, design your army for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in the old days, often the game master would provide your army for right. you. you well, know? Well, that, um, that definitely speaks to the way I do a lot of my gaming, as I mentioned in, in previous episodes, where I look at a lot of the gaming I do from a convention standpoint. And when you go to a convention game, you show up in your jeans and t-shirt and your convention badge and say, okay, I'm ready to play. And the, hopefully the GM says, all right, well, here's what you have. And here's what we're going to do to play, and then off you go. So that definitely fits into that into that old hammer um, mindset. And uh, and a project I'm working on is uh, if you if you see my Twitter feed, you saw the you know the the big pile of uh, plastic newer stuff that I got at the recruits show, and I talked about it in the last episode also. And I'm going to be using those figures, you know, on a on a game that's going to be playable by up to eight players, four players to a side, and I'm going to have a whole bunch of figures, and not even not even going to play with the Warhammer rules, I'm going to use the Commands and Colors rules from GMT, and um, yeah, it's just, but I'm still keeping it within that Warhammer universe, so the Skaven are going to be Skaven, they're not going to be Ratman or some other generic name that I'm going to apply on it, you know, and the, the Dwarves and Elves are always Dwarves and Elves, of course, but um, yeah, it's, I, I think the mindset is there that it's not about winning or losing. It's about writing a story with the game, and it's mm-hmm. about having good-looking models regardless of their vintage, and everyone's there not to win a game but to have fun. Yep. And um, regardless of the rules you use, regardless of the figures you use, um, I think that you know obviously a game that doesn't use... GW rules, whether they're Mordheim or Necromunda or uh, any other GW system, you're gonna start stre- <laughs> you're gonna start yeah. stretching the the term old hammer a little bit. But um, I think if the mindset's there and the intent is there, then you've got a you've got a long way to go to disprove that something isn't old hammer. You know if that makes sense. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's all about the fun. If if you're not having fun, then what's the point of doing it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's you know, and and, and kind of another thing. Uh, and, and I think this is part of the reason that that um, those particular editions are often so linked with with um, old hammer. And and I think the part of what Jube's getting at too. Uh, or when he, when, you know, when he originally coined it as a toolbox, is right. <laughs> anybody who has ever played Rogue Trader or Third Edition Fantasy, especially, knows how broken those rules. Can oh yeah, there. You know, we've all heard the story of the, uh, you know, the the, the Eldar psychers, you know, the fleet of them that, you know, each one cast the the time was I think it was time warp or whatever. They let you take a free turn, you know, or or the uh, the the fantasy chaos corn berserker carrying an axe that was possessed with another corn or uh, sorry, uh, not a corn berserker, uh, a corn, um, the greater demon of corn, bloodthirster yeah. that was you know carrying an axe possessed with another bloodthirster that could just break randomly and you know now out pops another bloodthirster. Yeah, you know the the, the so the, it required a, almost a contract between the players to have fun with each other right. you know you had to house rule a lot you had to and again this is why uh game master was so important you know you had to agree not to take certain spells right. you had to agree not to do certain things because the rules were quite honestly so open to abuse that two people that just wanted to for lack of a better term screw each other right could you know, and pull out the nastiest, most evil things they could, um, and cause the other person to have zero fun at all. Right. Um, um, yeah. There was there was not the con- even though Games Workshop has taken a lot of heat over the years for lack of balance. You know, a lot of these recent editions have nothing on Rogue Trader and oh, yeah. Third Edition Fantasy, and the horrible, horrible things you could do in those games to to people. You know, I, I mean, I've I've heard stories of you know games that were literally over on the first turn, right? Um, and, and not because the person lost the die roll and didn't get to go first, literally because their army would be wiped out, right? Because of some some cheesy combo somebody <laughs> you know could work out, um, and and the the you know, the rules were just so open to interpretation and so chock full of things that were put there because the designers thought, hey, wouldn't this be cool? 
and didn't think about well but if you used it with this other thing that was also really cool you know because again it was all put there to have fun with and and i don't think you know the designers of the time ever thought that people would do those kind of things with their games but as as they march towards you know tournament play in fourth right. edition and whatnot they they realized and they began to tighten down and and you know is even though there are some big loopholes and in, in more recent editions again it's just it's nothing compared to what right. you used to be able to get away right. with if you if you were that kind of jerk you know? yeah yeah um and not that sometimes those games were fun sometimes you know you would get together with your buddies and be like okay let's see who can you know have the toughest army that we can dream up you know Okay. Right, but again, there's that contract there. You both know you are going in to see if you can't decimate your opponent as fast as possible. Right, uh, which is not necessarily the case now. If you show up for a game of, I don't even know what the current edition of 40k is. To be quite honest, I, I have it. I just don't. Yeah, I just I, I don't know what the number is. I'm looking seventh, at the box I think. right now. But um, you know, if, if you show up to a shop with a, a seventh edition 40k army, you know you might get somebody there that wants to kill you as fast as possible. You might get somebody there that just has a fun army. You might get somebody that's somewhere in between both. You don't really know. And, and you know, that's the kind of thing that wasn't quite as possible with third edition in Rogue Trader of just mm-hmm. showing up and playing because, you know, I mean, I don't, and maybe I'm wrong about this because again, I, I never played Rogue Trader when Rogue Trader was current. But I don't believe there was even points in Rogue Trader. Like no. uh, it was all random. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I remember the random the, tape. The where well, you in, roll in the Rogue things. Trader book, there right, there right, are right, points. Right. Um, there are points, but the thing is, there's so much randomness. In okay, you buy a Space Marine for X amount of points. Okay, now roll for his basic weapon. Right. Odds right. are it's going to be a Bolter, but you know one of them might have, you know, uh, something a little bit heavier, like a web gun or an auto gun or. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite you. Space Marine models, and I've got him, is the uh, the the Space Marine toting a shuriken catapult. Yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, so something something you couldn't pull off in today's. Game. Oh no, it's though a, that would be heresy. Yeah, <laughs> but it's uh yeah it's, it's because yeah and it's in there in the, in the chart of weird weapons you can roll up. Oh so, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's a um, yeah. You had models. you had mentioned um, the old hammer in the new world weekend. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about that a little bit, you know, kind of bring it to the present, yeah. uh, kind of put everything we've talked about in the last 50 minutes together. And why don't you give us the uh, kind of the genesis of the weekend and how that got started and how this most recent one went? Okay, yeah. So, what the way it actually started in the UK, there was an event held, um, and I can't remember what they called the initial one. I remember they had a Golden Gabo painting tournament, but um, I can't remember what the exact name of the event was. The second one was, I believe, just like the Old Hammer Weekend or something like that. Um, and there was a gentleman here. Uh, he's ex-GW employee, uh, there for a long time, um, lives in Michigan now, named Blake Schrode. Uh, and he he's the one that would go on to start the uh, both Old Hammer and the New World blog, um, which is, I believe, oldhammerinthenewworld.blogspot.com and then the Old Hammer in the New World Facebook page. Um, he had a hankering to do something like what the British were doing. And so three years ago, he he got it up and going, and it, the, the first one was held in the old GW headquarters at Glen Burnie. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, there was a game shop there, and they they were only using the front half, but they were renting the whole building, and so they let us have the back half. And you know, he was he got to reminisce, but there were lots of there were actually quite a few XGW people showed up, um, and so that was the first year, and that was that was a you know great. And and I'm lucky in that I live in Northern Virginia, so you know, I even though I got kids, I was still able to go because it's 45 minute drive. Right. Um. You know, we and we had some great guests. Graham Davis came. Uh, he was one of the original authors of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Uh, we had another gentleman uh, whose name is escaping me right at the moment. Um, but uh, if you can give me just a second on Facebook, um, I will find him and remember his name. Uh, who who was the gentleman that wrote? Um, who who came up with Sigmar and Carl Franz and all those those people? Um, but uh, he, he was there because he he actually teaches at a university in in uh, I believe outside of Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, and so you know they came. Dave Taylor was there. The uh, the XGW uh, 
painter who's you know just does phenomenal work and phenomenal work really quickly it's insane I, i'm pretty sure he's a robot but that's another discussion <laughs> um you know so we, we had a lot of xgw guys that were there almost as guests um and you know we just had a lot of fun it was a two-day event uh then the next year the the a different gentleman organized it but he was there for the first year the when, when Blake started it, he had to get some help because it, it's a lot of work to do an event like that. Right. And uh, so a gentleman named Rusty Goldman uh, organized it the second year, and we had that one, I believe, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, it was in Pennsylvania, near where he lived. That's you know one of the advantages of running something like this is you get to choose the location. Right. Um, and you know so that that was great. We we actually rented a hall that year. Um, unfortunately, we had to charge tickets. Uh, charge prices for tickets because you know halls aren't free right um and that was that was a great event too and then this year we kind of decided you know we didn't want to charge tickets we really liked having it at a a hall because we could stay there and game all night you know you could bring a case of beer and you know do that kind of thing and you know sit and sit and be old uh old guys and reminisce about the old days and back when blisters had three three metal guys for two dollars or whatever you know and 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 that kind of thing um but you know charging money and dealing with money is is that that adds a whole extra level of complexity that we didn't like um and so this year i took the mantle of really finding a date and then and a venue and asking other people to do things um and so you know i i we ran it at, at another uh another place here in northern virginia um called huzzah hobbies it's a really great shop um and i'm I'm not native to the area but my understanding is chris the owner has been involved in gaming for a long time and has been a stalwart of the northern virginia gaming scene for a long time and he's got a ton of tables and i I believe we had 10 tables going at any one point um that he let us use for two days yeah and um you know we ran a lot of things we had a battle somebody ran battle of the farm a gentleman named brian kirkell ran that for us from the the rogue trader book the the original scenario Mm -hmm. um but being the kind of guys we are he added some cool things like some some sheep that the orcs were trying to eat you know some stuff like that (laughs) um just you know lots of kind of silliness but also silliness that kind of makes sense they are orcs they you know do like to eat things you know um they are you know they're they're concerned about their base instincts um we had another gentleman named uh james although he goes by chronos online who ran three games for us and and honestly the schedule would have looked piddly without him so you know chronos if you're listening thank you so much uh he ran space hulk he ran uh necromunda he ran battlefleet gothic um, like I said, we, we've you know the old hammer kind has, has really uh, uh, taken into the fold the specialist games. Right. Um, we had a, a, a blood bowl game or uh, well, series of games run by a, a lady named uh, Lasan. Um, you know that was great uh, because you know, the new edition of Blood Bowl coming out. You know we were kind of hoping to hype up some people into that um and even some people in the store because that was the other thing we although we were in a store we weren't in the back like we were the first year we were kind of out there and we you know we were able to kind of proselytize the greatness of old hammer and we had more than one person like oh man i remember one guy specifically talked about those uh plastic imperial guardsmen that you love so much and how many how he's got boxes of those you know put together and painted and you know from from back in the day and he was there with his son and his son was getting really excited about that um you know and 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 that's part of what's great too is that you know it to be quite honest because it's story driven it's so much easier to involve your kids yeah um and you know a lot of us are getting of that age where we have kids um but you know so I'll get off on that tangent. Um, you know, so it was it was a great event, and uh, thankfully this year, every year we've had a freebie model or close to freebie because we have costs that we have to put into it. But um, the first year, Kev Adams sculpted a uh, a goblin jester for us. Nice. Uh, the second year, Mark Copplestone sculpted a kind of dark future, um, early rogue trader punk rock bad guy mm-hmm. kind of thing um and then this year uh, uh, the gentleman that runs oakbound games um fem um fem mccool on the forums uh jeff solomon sims on facebook uh, sculpted a uh, version of um Morkar from hero quest which is zargon in the u.s but yeah. in, in the uk not only was the name differently but there was a comic 
book and they, he was kind of depicted differently over there uh much more like the old school chaos sorcerers than than kind of like the old man with the big beard that we got here right um so he sculpted one of him and then uh curtis fell from ramshackle games and i apologize for the plugging but they no no, no they please. sent these to me free so i've got to got to plug both of their companies yeah um sent us a priest of old hammer uh, and it's a little uh, you know, guy in robes carrying a hammer. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, kind of like it's a, it's a you know a, a, a sanctified uh, you know holy item. Um, you know, so we were able to to distribute those out, and especially with the the, the priests, I think they sent like a hundred of them. Wow. And you know, we had twenty-ish guests um, this year, and so you know there were a lot of freebies to give out to people. That, of, of the the priests that you know were um you know th- th- that were passerbyers that you know sat and talked with us for a little while about their stuff you know to kind of help spread the word um and you know so but but not only did we have those kind of scenarios that had been run um you know we also had uh, people just you know getting pickup games um there was a great game between a uh a Airborne Grove uh, from the Give Em Lead blog, his uh, Chaos Army, which is a great looking Chaos Army, uh, and, and actually to go back to a point you made earlier, it has large amounts of Battle Masters figures in it, but nice. they're painted beautifully um, against an army of seven giants brought by a gentleman named uh, uh, Thomas Rabbits. I'm probably mispronouncing that the, the surname, but um, but yeah, it was seven giants, mm-hmm. and you know that's the kind of thing you can't do in modern Warhammer. Right. You can't field an army of seven giants. Um, <laughs> seven giants who all have a little bit different from each other, right. you know. Um, but you know they had a great game, and I think in the end the Chaos Army actually won. But uh, but if I remember correctly, it was close. Yeah. Um, well, you, you think know, so, you think an army of seven giants would have a female general named Cole Black? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I he well, it was actually I'll say this, and he he did not, but he did have these really nice cards made out with names and the pictures, and you know it was I mean it was lavish what he had done for his his giant army, um, you know, and uh, you know in another game there was a a gentleman who had an army of gnomes. You know, when, when was the last time you've seen an army of gnomes? Yeah. But, um, but you know, he, he fielded uh, a penny few painting um, is, is his uh, company. Um, I apologize to everybody. I'm going to take a bunch of flack for, for missing names here. Um, but it's late and, you know, I'm, I'm a little out of it from all the, 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 uh, the, the, the cures for Nurgle's rot. Um, but yeah, he had a, a gnome army. You know, I mean, again, how often do you? I mean, gnomes don't even exist in modern fantasy, right. um, and yet here was an army of them. Uh, so you know, we we got to have a lot of cool pickup games. I, I already mentioned that uh, Orc Lord from Stuff of Legends brought the uh, the Grenadier Undead, and, and amongst Citadel Undead as well. In fact, his Citadel Undead army was painted by a, a former studio member. Um, he has an amazing collection. Over, yeah. uh, I, I highly recommend if you've never, if for the listeners who have never been to Stuff of Legends. Oh yeah, that's that's go to a, Stuff of Legends and spend a large amount of time there. Um, yeah, that, that's 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 a critical resource for an old hammer uh, player, yeah. Yeah. or anyone just interested in the figures. Yep, yep, and uh, yeah, and you know if you want to see what the limited editions were, he's got all those separate. Yeah, he's got scans of the catalogs and the flyers and and so yeah, he uh you know he brought um like I said uh, you know the some of the grenadier undead stuff amongst amongst his undead army. Um you know so we had a, just a lot of great great stuff uh with a lot of great players that showed up and we had a lot of fun. Um you know we had t-shirts made up. Uh we had people coming as far away as uh Arizona. Oh, wow. Um uh, yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, Sean, uh, Sean Squires, I, I, I couldn't have run it without him. He was, he was, uh, my right hand man. <laughs> um, he was doing all the posting and stuff for me because I, I wasn't smart enough to create a second Facebook account for all that. And I am from the deep south, so there's certain things I don't want on my Facebook timeline. Um, <laughs> you know, playing with little devil men is is one of them. But um, you know, and the, the, there's just a lot of great you know great stuff going um 
you know, we're, we haven't decided on next year, but, you know, anybody that wants to, uh, you know, we highly recommend you come. Uh, there's even talk about uh, some people out west holding a, a, an event out there. Uh, you know, that's one of the difficulties that we have in the U.S. that oh, the yeah. U.K. doesn't have is, you know, their idea of a long drive across country is four or five hours. Ours is days. Right. Um, you know, so if, if you want, you know, we can't hold just one event for everybody to come to. It's just not going to happen. There's a ton of old hammers out in California that are quite honestly never going to come out here, and we don't expect them to. Uh, you know, that's that's asking a lot. Um, so, you know, we, we highly encourage people to, to have their own events. Uh, you know, we've kept this name because it's been the same core group of us planning everything with different people taking the helm every year. But, yeah. Um, but it's still been the same core group, so we've been using the same name. But, you know, the, that's the great thing about Old Hammer is it's very much about the community. Right. And it's and to be quite honest, you know, if, if you look at it, at the early editions of, of Warhammer, one of the big influences on them was the kind of uh, punk attitude of England in the early eighties mm -hmm. and we, you know, we're not walking around in studded leather jackets and mohawks or anything, but you know, we, we highly encourage that kind of punk do it yourself attitude right. in old hammer. And, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, you know, we've had people, uh, you know, show up to like cons, like uh Historicon, and they've seen people wearing old hammer t-shirts and, you know, of course they get down, you know, start hanging out and you know they run games there and then that of course is going to attract more people so you know it's, it's a great community uh and that's kind of what's what's so great about old hammer is it's not you know I, th these guys would be a bunch of guys i want to hang out with whether we played warhammer or not right you know and and that's what the the best thing about it is and um you know like i said it, it went great uh you know it's two days of of just a lot of fun gaming and um you know it, it's it's just awesome and i'm glad we can do it uh here and and you know I, i'd love for more people to show up but even if they don't you know 20 people and we had a blast right that that um, does sound like it was a heck of a time um and i i would would really like to to make one of those events sometime uh i i guess for now i'm just gonna have to make my old my own old hammer where i am um, we are just about out of time. Uh, I do want to thank you for coming on the show uh, on relatively short notice. I do appreciate it. Um, our listeners need to know that pretty much any company we talked about, I'm going to have a URL for in the show notes. Um, again, Andrew, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, I really appreciate it. Quite welcome, and thank you for having me. And, and you know, I, I kind of was... Uh laughing because I get to take all the credit for the work that those other gentlemen did two years prior to me. So, you know, thanks thanks for letting me get all the glory while they did all the real work. <laughs> well, uh, you're standing on the shoulders of seven giants, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So. On that note, uh, this has been the uh, Veteran Wargamer talking with Andrew Dyer about Old Hammer. And uh, just a reminder, if you're not having fun, make it fun. Uh, have a good time gaming. That is all. Veteran War Gamer is copyright J. Arnold 2016. Show notes are available at the Music courtesy of bensound.com.